from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It was a big aha moment, a really big aha moment. It was just great. I just went home that night and I just wrote the whole opening for the musical. I, I just, you don't use the, um, the tool of the camera to discover character, you use the tool of the song. That's interesting. So you feel like you've really become a, a great fan of musicals through this experience. Huge. But I'm also become a great critic of them. So. <laughs> I'm Sarah Fenske. A new musical makes its world premiere at the Kirkwood Performing Arts Center tonight. And from there, backers plan to take the show to Broadway. And so tonight, a host of big names will be in Kirkwood. That includes actors Ken Page, Martin Cove, and Ralph Macchio. Yes, Ralph Macchio. We'd expect no less for The Karate Kid, the musical. Yesterday, our producer Kayla Drake talked to this musical's composer and lyricist, Drew Gasparini. He told her he didn't want to take the job at first. He thought it sounded cheesy. So much of Broadway these days are these movie adaptations. But when I talked to the director of the piece, after six months of these producers trying to get me to, to send in material, I finally rewatched the movie and I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. It is a beautiful story. Like all I remembered of the movie before that was wax on, wax off and sweep the leg and all these quotable lines from the movie, but it's such a beautiful story and it sings. And that is songwriter Drew Gasparini. He's speaking of The Karate Kid. That was the 1984 smash hit film. And The Karate Kid, the musical, has its world premiere tonight in Kirkwood. And so joining us now is the playwright, who's also the screenwriter of the original film, Robert Mark Kamen. Welcome. Hi. So this is a big deal, uh, this premiere happening. Are you ready for this tonight? I'm ready. So The Karate Kid, this has now had five sequels and two TV shows. Did you ever imagine back in the 80s that this would go this far? Uh, no. That, I mean, who could? It was a small little story um, about a boy and his teacher. And who could think that it would become this? Yeah. And Not this me. Not you. And this story was based in part on your own life. You were a wimpy kid who found karate. Uh, can we drop the word wimpy? <laughs> we can drop the word wimpy. I will go for that. Tell us, how did, how did karate come into your life, and was there really a Mr. Miyagi? Um, I, was, um, I was at the World's Fair in 1964. I was uh, 17, and I was jumped by a bunch of guys. Ooh. Um, uh, and I was really fast, and they chased me around, and one of them stuck a letter opener in my back, and it was... Oh, my goodness. It was, oh, yeah, it was just not cool. And and I ran into the New York State Pavilion, and there was, um, uh, there was this guy doing a karate demonstration, and I said, that's for me, and I signed up the next week, um, and that's how I was introduced to Okinawan karate. And you ended up becoming quite good at this. Well, I don't know, quite good. In Okinawa, they don't say you're quite good. They say you train hard, and I've been training for 55 years now. 
56. I, so I don't know how good I am, but I persevere. You're dedicated, yeah. I'm so, dedicated, yes. So back in the 80s, I feel like every single kid had to rush out and get karate lessons because yes. of this film. Did yeah. you see like that flood of attention to this, this pursuit that you love? Um, I did. I had a lot of, because I had been doing it since... When I started in the mid-60s, there were very few schools, and um, so you get to know everybody in, in these schools. And uh, by the time the 80s rolled around, lots of these guys had their own schools, and people called me and said, um, I have kids coming in who want to learn Miyagi-Do. Um, what is this? <laughs> and I said, you know, it's... My fertile imagination, dude. Um, so, uh, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what happened. And then karate schools proliferated, but not the karate that I learned. The karate I learned was very traditional Okinawan karate, which is where karate comes from. Hmm. Um, so there was all sorts of stuff being taught, and I was never part of that scene. I, I was always attached to very traditional Okinawan gojuru karate, which was the original Mr. Miyagi, Miyagi Chojin's original style that he um, perfected out of the Chinese styles that he learned on Okinawa. Hmm. And so you sort of launched this, this groundswell across the nation, but in yeah. some ways it was, it was out of your control. It, it went where it was going to go. Yeah, it, it did. And then, it, you know, and then sport, sport karate came involved and it was, you know, it became a different thing. It's not what I do. Mm -hmm. I, I do a much more traditional form. And then, of course, Cobra Kai happened, and there's a renaissance of this stuff now. Yeah, I mean, this feels like a big renaissance of karate, of the karate kid. Um, and now we have a musical. Was this yes. something, uh, you know, what led you no. to, to say, let's do this? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. This was not your dream. No, this was not my dream. Um... And um, our producer, who I call Wonder Woman, who has done the most exceptional... I've been writing film for 40 years. I've mm -hmm. done about 25 or 26 films um, produced, and I have never seen a producer like this one. Amazing. She, she knows how to find the best people, to put the best people together, to keep everything on track, to make sure there's as little drama as possible. She's quite an amazing producer, and she pursued me and uh, convinced me. Yeah, I mean, I did, did she have to make I, a hard sell? Like, yeah. we need you. She You're the guy who sell. can do this. She made a hard sell, but um, she doesn't do anything hard. It's all very soft. She's a, um, a very polite, very cultured, um, very restrained Japanese woman, hmm. and she believes in soft everything and then puts the hammer down and the next thing you know you're doing what she wants yeah you're doing what she wants and there is the karate kid the musical so was this difficult to reinvent this this film to make this work on a stage no once once i learned the form um and i started collaborating with drew um it became easy it, it was just it's just writing and learning a different form hmm. 
So Drew Gasparini, he's the composer um, and the lyricist of these these songs. He told our producer Kayla Drake that he's given each character in this film a specific sound that might be 80s pop or heavy metal, even elements of traditional Japanese music. He said the producers even flew him out to Okinawa, Japan, that's Mr. Miyagi's hometown, to study there with local musicians. What we're really doing is taking the story that has been so beloved for the last 40 years and just enhancing, going deeper into what these characters are thinking, the psyche of these characters. That's what a musical does. It really keeps tapping in deeper and deeper and deeper. So it's not these close-ups on a movie screen getting the emotion across. It is these songs where they're pouring their souls out onto the stage that is getting the emotion across. So that is songwriter Drew Gasparini. So this is kind of a way uh, he compares these songs to that moment of close-up. Does that resonate with you, Robert Mark Kamen? Yeah, it, it's, it's the amazing thing about a musical. You get to peel away the layers of the onion and see beneath the surface of characters where you don't use the, um, the tool of the camera to discover character. You use the tool of the song. Mm-hmm. And so uh, characters can express I- inner emotions that in film you have to do in dialogue or in some sort of action that, that plays on a camera. But with song, you can, you can express feelings and emotion, and music helps that along. I, I, I find it a fascinating process. So there's so many famous quotes from this film. Do you draw on any of those in these songs? Is there a wax on, wax off, for example? Yes. There is. Yes. I knew it. There's lots, there's, <laughs> lots, there's lots of stuff from the movie that Drew has incorporated into the songs. Lots. So that, uh, that brings us back to Drew. He also told our producer that the musical is going to offer audiences something different uh, than the original film that it draws upon. There's characters in the movie that are kind of blips, and they serve like one purpose. Allie, for instance, is really just the love interest. And now she's really much more for Daniel, and she opens up his eyes in a lot more different ways. So it's beyond the romantic element. And the mother, Lucille, played by uh, Tony nominee Kate Baldwin in our production, uh, we've, we've really amped up the mother lens to look through as well, which in the movie, again, is a very small part. So all of those elements have been enhanced. So Daniel's world is, is even bigger in this than it is in the movie. And that is songwriter Drew Gasparini. We are talking today to playwright Robert Mark Kamen. He has been a screenwriter, uh, but he wrote this new musical, The Karate Kid, The Musical, which is based on the film that he wrote and premiered back in 1984, a smash hit. Um, Robert, was that exciting to get that chance to revisit these characters and then open up their worlds a bit, the, the way that Drew referred to? Yes. It, 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 for me, it was a real awakening. And I loved it. I just had a great time. So it feels like the big challenge with this, I mean, with Hollywood movies, you can always rely on special effects or you're cutting away the camera at a certain point. Karate is really the centerpiece of this story. Was it hard to translate that to the stage? Uh, yes and no. How so? Um, once I learned, I mean, my... Uh, my learning curve was very steep and very quick. Drew and I would just go to see mu- musicals all the time. He, of course, knew everything about musical theater. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing. And so we would, Kamiko would send us to, our producer would send us to musicals, three, four a week. And 
as I was watching these things, I was picking up, because after all, this is, I work in the imagination factory, mm -hmm. uh, that's my job, and I would pick up how to do and, and what to do and where to do, and Drew was there to, you know, help me along because he had uh, way more experience with it. And, um, and it came easily and quickly to the point where I fell in love with the form and can't wait to do it again. That's interesting. So you feel like you've really become a, a great fan of musicals through this experience. Huge. But I've also become a great critic of them. So. <laughs> Tell me, is there a musical that, that when you were doing this research to learn more about this form, that this was a musical where you were like, aha, this is something that could work for us? Yeah, Hades Town. Hades Town just knocked my socks off when I saw the possibilities of using the stage and music and song to do exactly what was needed. Um, I just went home that night and I just wrote the whole opening for the musical. I, I just, I was, it was a big aha moment, a really big aha moment. It was just great. So if someone has seen Hades Town, do you think they will make that connection when they come to watch The Karate Kid, the musical? No. Yeah. That, <laughs> no, no. That's just no, informing won't. your process. We're, we're not going to see <laughs> right. that on stage. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So the choreography of this show, I imagine that's something, too. I mean, just the, the dancing these days on Broadway is, is just wonderful. It's, it's the, the big reason that these productions are such a huge draw. Can you tell us a little bit about what's planned for this one? I don't think you've ever seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. Mari um, and Keone are amazing at what they do. They're just amazing. And they have brought a, a new language to dance in this. It's different from anything I've seen, and I've seen about 25 musicals in the last three years. Yeah, you're and now an different. expert. Yeah. Well, I'm not an expert, but I know it when I see it, and, and I haven't seen this before. This is very unique. So this is certainly, I'm sure, wetting a lot of appetites for this show that is opening tonight in Kirkwood. But I have to ask, I mean, this has now been something in your life for four decades. What do you think has made the Karate Kid stand the test of time when, when so many movies from the 80s and movies we might think of as, as tailored at younger audiences completely forgotten? What, what's made this um, something that keeps going? Mr. Miyagi. That character. He, yeah, Mr. Miyagi is the father we all want, the parent we all want. He's all wise, all knowing, he doesn't judge, he's kind, he's gentle, he's funny, he's smart, and he can beat the crap out of anybody who bothers you. I mean, when you who describe it that, that way. wouldn't want that as a parent? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the magic of, of Ralph and, and Pat really sold this. They, those were two, two actors in time who just had the perfect chemistry, they had the perfect roles for them and the perfect story and that's what's made it timeless and it's just a genuine story and you put Mr. Miyagi in and it becomes unique. So those are some big shoes to fill and that chemistry is so important. Um, yes. do, do you see that same chemistry on stage with your two leading men? Well, we'll see tonight, won't we? We'll see tonight. Robert Mark Kamen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering by Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer.
St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.